everybody, and welcome back to Centered, Committed, Confident, a podcast dedicated to helping you center your life on Christ, commit yourself to discipleship, and become more confident in the Word of God. My name is Cody Rogers. And I'm Hannah Erickson. And today we are joined by Mr. Christopher Waugh. Or Dr. Christopher Waugh, Dr. Waugh. That, that works too. All right, Dr. Waugh. Um, so I could give an intro about you, um, but why don't you tell us sort of your... Uh, you know, listeners, you can see what we're talking about today in the title. So let's just sort of dive right into who uh, Christopher is and then get into the topic after that. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do at this point? Sure. So um, I have been working on college campuses for, gosh, over 30 years or living on Mm -hmm. them for over 30 years. Um, So I'm super old and uh, (laughs) I'm currently the associate vice president and of academic and student services and dean of students at St. Ambrose University. And so this is my senior year at St. Ambrose. <laughs> I have been here for four years and I uh, just love what I do. And, and I essentially my job is, is most of the student services activities outside of the classroom. Mm-hmm. So uh, everything from counseling and health services to student activities to um advising career, uh, international student support, mm. um, student tutoring, student success, uh, services. So the student experience student overall, experience, yeah. you were the COVID Dean as well, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I got to Ambrose in July of 2019 and then of course COVID. Um, and so they put the new guy in charge of COVID and they of gave course. me a wonderful partner, um, a professor and, at the university, and she and I were tasked with planning out or or implementing the COVID procedures. So we wow. we spoke every day for almost two years. Yep. So um, your life was very interesting back then. Indeed. Yeah. Right. Well, um, in case you also didn't know, uh, Christopher is one of our leaders in the college ministry as well. Pops in and serves however he can. Um, so you you see him around many Thursday nights. Um, thankful to have you here. Mm-hmm. And um, I, Christopher is a prayer warrior. That's how, that's how I describe him, a prayer warrior. If you need someone to pray for you, you want Christopher in your corner, yeah. I promise you. So also around on Thursday mornings for men's prayer often, right? Yeah. What time is that? Uh, 6.30 a.m. 6.30 a.m. men's prayer here at the church. 6.30 to 7.30, and I want to plug this for the college men. We actually get a few sometimes, that's and awesome. it's really terrific. And uh, everybody leaves that prayer meeting fired up, and so... Uh, it is one of the highlights of my week, no doubt about it. Great. Awesome. I love that little plug there, too. Well, let's get into the topics. We don't know how long we're going to talk for, um, but it, I, it's going to be a great topic, and I think you're going to bring some great insight compared to what Hannah, Regent, and I could normally bring. Um, oh, by the way, Regent's not here right now because he's also still gone in Australia, FYI. Yep. So that's why, in case you're wondering where Regent is. He's almost home. Yeah. A few more days. Yep. Good. Um, okay. So the title of what we're talking about is the gospel of self-actualization, right? Yeah. And essentially I asked you to come talk about what are they teaching, right? Or what, what are college students experiencing um, as they're going through life in college? And also just what do you want to talk about? Right. And so you came forward with this topic. Yeah. Like, this is something that's been laid on your heart. So why don't you just lay it out, talk about it. And we'll just Hannah and I will interject as we go. If there's anything we want to clarify or ask or things like that. Gotcha. Cool. So actually, even before that, if it's okay, 
I just want to say yes. that I'm a big fan of this podcast. And I just want to thank you for doing it. Hannah's blushing. I know. I'm, I'm embarrassed. No, it's, it's really good. And it is, uh, it's actually helped strengthen my faith tremendously, especially I've loved the, um, the one about the apps that made us. Oh, yeah. And so I was just listening to your resources, uh, devotionals one, mm-hmm. and, um, and it was really terrific. I've got a few more things that I'm going to look to build into my thing. But, um, but I do think the Echo app does allow to share prayers again. Does it? Because our small group is using it. And oh, my goodness. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, my so goodness. That I is just, so much better than it was. Okay. Cody's well, looking right now. <laughs> I am. I'm looking right now while he's talking because that, that was a huge deal when they got rid of it. To me, that oh, like yeah. really ruined it. Maybe they listened to the podcast and they re-implemented <laughs> it because you talked about Sponsored it. Sponsored by Echo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. It is. Good. I well, love that. It also reminded me of a book that I have not read, but I want to plug it. It is by a John Piper acolyte, Tony Renke. Yeah. Um, it's called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. I, I've heard the podcast on that. It's really good. I've heard it's really good. Yeah. 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 And so I think it's kind of along those same lines of how we can reharness technology to help us grow in our faith and That's strengthen so our faith. And, mm-hmm. and so your podcast does that for me. So thank you so much for doing it. Well, thanks. And uh, secondly, I just wanted to start with making a disclaimer. Because this is the time that we live in now. So I just want to definitely make a disclaimer about this topic. So I'm here to discuss the landscape of higher education uh, writ large. So I want to be clear that anything I share is not a description of St. Ambrose University, Mm -hmm. um, nor am I speaking on behalf of St. Ambrose University, but I'm just sharing an amalgamation of 30 years serving in higher education institutions. I've worked at large state universities, small private colleges, religiously affiliated, secular community colleges, so kind of the, um, mm-hmm. the gamut, and, you know, have colleagues across the country. Mm-hmm. So we're in constant communication, and, and so this is just kind of a broad stroke piece, and I just think it's important to share that as well. That's great. So, so yeah, so if I had to title this podcast, um, I would have titled it The Gospel of Self-Actualization, um, because I think that captures the zeitgeist of, of higher ed writ large today. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is uh, the, con- the term self-actualization comes from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so uh, for those who are familiar or not familiar, it's basically this triangle. And at the bottom level of the triangle are kind of our lowest level needs. So mm-hmm. food, shelter. Then as you go up the triangle, it's belonging, uh, uh, safety, but then that top triangle, that top part is self-actualization, and that's often defined by the self when you are fully realized in mm-hmm. yourself. And the idea, the ideology, I believe, undergirding this concept is secular humanism, um, which means a non-spiritual centering on human interests as opposed to faith or spiritual interests. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christianity, for instance, would could be described as a you know, spiritual pursuit of God's interests. So secular humanism, um, I think, is important to note. Again, this is my thought, um, is a very academic-sounding term for Satanism um, because at its core is self-sovereignty. And um, at the core of the belief of Satanism is that self-sovereignty notion that mm-hmm. I am my own God. So all of that is kind of connected, interconnected to, together for me. So connecting the dots so far, you're saying that 
Um, self self actualization is the <laughs> Christopher's taking a drink. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, self actualization is <laughs> learning how to use the mic. Yeah, is the uh, the, the gospel that's being promoted, right? And mm-hmm. and you're saying that um, at the heart of it is secular humanization, secular which, humanism, humanism, mm-hmm. which is a fancy disguised term for really just self-sovereignty satanism type yeah. okay That's what this gets me i'm so excited to talk about this because my major in college was um human development and family science every single class we used like the hierarchy of needs our mm-hmm. entire curriculum was based on it and so everything you're saying i'm like wow already like this is like literally what i was being taught on a curriculum basis um and every single one of the classes i took for my degree I got I got a music degree and we didn't talk about this. So. <laughs> this is all we talked about. I was just really worried about being able to sing the right notes at the right time. <laughs> well, you know, I, and I'm speaking broadly about the higher ed landscape today, yeah. but mm-hmm. I think and and I I'm not an expert on K12, but from a cursory perspective, as I have a son in the system, mm-hmm. I think it's also a part of that right yeah. now too. Um, just for children, it's yeah. self actualization and. For me, it's, uh, you know, as I'm experiencing it, observing it, it's self-actualization at all costs. Mm-hmm. And that is including and maybe especially the cost of biblical truth and basic biology and realities of the physical world. Um, and it makes me think about um, when I was preparing for this, you know, guest guesting on your podcast, I was reading First and Second Timothy Um because when I think about, when I read First and Second Timothy and Paul's instructions, it, it, it's so tailored to young people. And that mm-hmm. it just feels like such a college um, appropriate, you know, college appropriate books of the Bible. But Second uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5, um, there will be godlessness in the last days. But understand this, that in the last days, there will be, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. Again, that self-actualization. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Mm. And I think that's such a great description of anybody's, you know, 30-second scan of most folks' social media feed um, Mm. or headlines and Mm -hmm. news aggregates today um is i think uh, it captures that i think quite yeah well. yeah and i love what you said about how um like you're seeing it in the higher ed but it's kind of permeating everywhere because even again in my classes it was this hierarchy of needs is how you approach every person like lots of people went into counseling or into other forms of education or um, lots of human services careers out of this major and they um approached about any time you interact with someone your goal is this self-actualization you start by by meeting their basic needs and you walk through each level of the pyramid and that's how you interact with every person right and the the goal was always to get somebody to the very top of their you know self-actualized so does this relate to live your truth oh absolutely is that would you say that 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 term summarizes what you're getting at is so Brittany and I joke about that term all the time. Right. And, um, we, we joke about how it's a, like, it's one of those things that you, uh, you probably 
talk about more than it actually you think exists, right? You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? And then we were watching a show last night on on Netflix and it's it's a drama or something. It's not like a it's not a reality TV or thing. And they're like, I'm so proud of you for living your truth. I was like, mm-hmm. oh no, it's an actual thing. Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah people yeah. actually yeah. say that. I was I was reminded that it's a real yeah. statement and a real opinion. So I I want to know, does that relate pretty closely overall? It's totally and and um truth is defined by self. And there's no longer kind of these objective anchors of of reality that we are kind of building as our coming off of as a foundation. It's just what it, it's constantly moving and shifting. Um, yeah, and I think like when I hear college students talking, it's a lot of who am I really, and I just need to find myself. I need to become who I really am. I'm going to get rid of anything that doesn't um, push on this narrative of who I think I am and supposed to be, and I'm just going to consume all the things that are going to get me to this idealized version of who I'm supposed to be. Well, that's exactly it, Hannah, and and that's a great um, kind of reminder, one of the things I wanted to share with you all is, you know, I think historically college has been about pushing young people to discover who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And often that would then be connected to, you know, skills, majors, Mm -hmm. you know, then it would form into a career and, you know, you build your life from that and, you know, who you are. Um, Today, college has become about helping students find out what they are. Mm. And that's a fundamentally different question. And it alters the foundation of everything we think of as truth and reality, including everything from sexuality to family to religion to politics to God, uh, most recently to the emergence of gender as mm-hmm. a social force. Um, no, so, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I feel like, you know, sort of the, the difference between um, asking who you are and what you are Part of it is like, because when I, as a pastor, when I hear it's about who you are, right? I want to say, no, it's about who God is, right? It's not mm-hmm. about who you are. It's about what God says you are, you know, who, who God says you are. Mm-hmm. But I guess that still technically is answering the question of who you are, right? You know, is it, um, because what I, it's, it's just redefining the question, but it's still answering it, right? The, whereas like what you are, it sounds to me like it's taking it from, from finding somebody's individual giftings, abilities, talents, the way that they've been created and, and, and accessing that and understanding it and utilizing it better. It's taking them away from that and trying to force them into categories or into concepts in which they have to buy into the whole thing and be the whole thing. And that whole thing has to define them. Would you say that's sort of the difference between the two? Totally. And, and it is completely influenced by triflings. Yeah. In, in so many cases, you know, social media uh, trends, you know, um, uh, research is showing that, you know, um, um, gender identity and expression is, you know, students who are identifying as, as a different sex than they were born with has just exploded in the last mm-hmm. five years, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so folks are questioning, is that social media is that trends Mm -hmm. is that right because in the course of human history it's almost impossible to think that all of a sudden there would be a sense of which um we've just been misunderstanding humans for for this long and it's Mm -hmm. been revealed over five years it's the concept is it must be a trend right right must be something that's going on in the culture that's causing this to happen right rather than just a oh hey we've actually always been like this and now we're just realizing it right And, you know, one of the things I, I don't want to get too political yeah. here, 
but uh, one of the th a colleague at a previous institution um, described what's happening on college campuses as um, an oppression Olympics. And so what he meant was that um, it, it's very much um, uh, in fashion now on campuses to identify with as many marginalized, you know, you know, quote unquote, marginalized communities as you can. And, and the more marginalized one's identity is, the more social capital they have on a college campus, for instance. Mm. Um, and so it was a really fascinating experience I had. I was, um, at, again, at another institution, um, a new staff member was being welcomed to the campus and was, we were at a reception. Um, and halfway through, I uh, ran into her and said, hey, how's it going? You're meeting everybody and all the students. And she said, you know, this is the most interesting thing I've ever experienced. Um, students here aren't, I, aren't introducing themselves by their names. They're, they're introducing themselves to me by their labels. So they'll say, oh, hi, um, I'm a first-gen college student from a low-income farm community. It's nice to meet you. And she would say, it's nice to meet you too. What's your name? And so, you know, it was kind of this, you know, again, this goes back to what am I, what labels am I attaching to myself? Yeah, because somehow that is our identity now. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And that's right. And, and, and what, what, what you're getting at is that the college campuses in general, um, they are in, encouraging and equipping it, right? Is that what you're... I th uh, yeah, it's, you know, in, in the 30 years that I've been on college campuses, I've seen this emerge from the academy. Um, and um, it's been really fascinating to watch. And it's really been shape-shifting conversations and, and programming budgets and, you know, things that you see on college campuses. And... Um, you know, I, going back to what you said, you know, Pastor Cody, I, I, you know, there's, there's this notion of college used to be looking, trying to discover who you are. And now I think it's more of what you are. And I think both are misguided because I do think that for college age people, uh, those years should be spent finding out who God is and how to build a life that's radically committed to him. And, um, and I, I love what you said earlier about how finding out who God is is how we find out, truly find out who we are. Yeah. And and I think that's a beautiful way of saying it. And I think that's what happened to me, right? So, you know, I, I did grow up in a, when I say grow up, like I went to college in a, a liberal arts college and I felt like I must have been there sort of the at the tail end of some of this, you know, cause a lot of this doesn't resonate with my college experience just yet. Granted that was You're old 14 years ago oh, at this goodness. point, but right. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was about finding out who I was. Right. But mm -hmm. when I, when that was intermixed with my faith, right. Established Christian at, you know, just a couple years before that, um, it, it immediately and easily became, well, who is God is and who does that say I am? And so the conversations I was having around me, even though they were misguided in some ways, like you're saying, they still sharpened me, right? Because yeah. it, it still helped identify like I'm, I'm a leader. I am this type of, of person. Like these are the, my giftings. Like it helped mm -hmm. identify the things that I'm good or bad at. And, and all those were in relation to God. You know, he made me this way, um, which is great. Um, and so it, it was almost like 
I guess what I'm trying to get at is, in my experience, that previous question of, of who are you um, still got the job done in some ways, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in terms of Christianity goes. Um, but what are you really defeats the whole purpose, you know, because um, I, I think this speaks of in, uh, in Galatians, right? There is neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile. Mm-hmm. It's because these people were identifying with what they were at that mm-hmm. point. And Paul is saying, no, 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 none of these categories match anymore because you are free or you're not free. You're a slave to law or you're not a slave to law anymore. And, um, to me, that's what it reminds me of is that mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to go back and identifying ourselves by I'm a Greek or I'm a Jew, mm-hmm. um, rather than no, I'm a, a son. And that son is actually defining me as a, as a person, but it's interesting thinking like over the last 30 years, like it used to be like you are, um, like a teenager and then you're an adult and that just changes at 18 and you just flip the switch. And now they have a whole new category of emerging adulthood. And I think it's because of this large shift of it's no longer just who am I and what am I going to do about it? Like my dad's a farmer, so I become a farmer or like, I just need to find out my skill set, get equipped for it and go on. But now college has become this whole experiential thing to figure out what are the labels that I'm going to attach to my life. And those are going to guide me and all all of my decision-making. So even at the largest level, they've added a whole new category for this age group because of all these changes. Right. Well, and, and there's also cate- categories. If you identify with these three labels, then you can only do these things. And if you identify with other labels, then mm-hmm. you can move differently. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, there's... Um, in some ways, for me, it would be different. I would think about this differently if the labels exploded possibility to, mm-hmm. you know, explore and try different things. But but actually, it's the labels are designed to really kind of mm-hmm. confine and. Which is so funny because they're on this quest for freedom and freedom of self, and in this process, they're actually boxing themselves in even more by attaching these certain labels and ideologies to themselves and then they can never get out of that box and so hard to switch whenever you've identified as something for so long it's hard to make a change yeah. in your perspective in the way that you live your life and this is all just coming back to my reading in galatians the last couple of days right because I, I just mentioned the neither group uh, greek nor jew nor gentile but even just the very beginning you, you foolish galatians have you turned so quickly back mm-hmm. to the law were you not saved by the spirit mm-hmm. um and you know and then, then you would turn back to law and put yourself under it um, it's, it's very similar. It shows that our, our human nature is that we desire freedom, mm-hmm. but we so quickly turn to the systems that enslave us. And, and that's true even in Christian Christianity, right? Like yeah. that's what the Galatians were doing. They had a freedom that was given to them and they so quickly turned to the systems in which they thought could offer mm-hmm. freedom and were actually enslaving them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so and read the Galatians, that's, that's the, that's the chapter. But that's a great, uh, Great um, example, and I, uh, you know, it's interesting too, but when you think about enslavement and freedom, uh, these labels are powerful, and there's a lot of social capital, and that, for a young person, that feels really good to Mm -hmm. be in a new environment and suddenly kind of be connected to folks and and kind of feel elevated in some ways, and I want to share um, another uh, story. This is a true story from a previous institution of how I think these labels and this this kind of culture of campus can really get folks off track. And so um, student arrived first year, 
really smart uh, first student in his family to go to college, um, student of color. Um, science was his thing, just really talented um, student. Um, a semester into this, um, to this at this institution, um, decided to change his, was just kind of in, engulfed with the protests that were happening on campus and, um, and just got really, really excited and pulled into that. And so, uh, but the end of his uh, first semester, he changed his major from biology. He was going to be pre-med. He wanted to be a doctor when he arrived to women and gender studies. So he spent the next, you know, four years of his life being a, a student activist on a campus that was very much in agreement with his newfound ideology, but yet there was it was just never satisfying enough. There were protests, protests, protests against the institution, the administration. And um, he loved it, had so much fun, was, uh, you know, very visible student leader, graduated, a couple years later, um, was back on campus. And one of my staff members ran into him and said, hey, it's so great to see you again. Are you back visiting folks? And he said, oh, no, I'm here to get my transcripts uh, for grad school. Oh, great. Um, what, what are you, you know, women and gender study grad school? And he said, no, um, I went to the Bay Area, moved there, and I started working at a women's center. And he said, um, one day I was um, on the corner passing out pamphlets and it just hit me that I really did want to be a doctor. And so, you know, he had been given a um, full scholarship in his four years at the institution, but now on his own dime, he was having to go back and take probably two and a half years of prerequisite science prerequisites so that he could be the thing that he had hoped to be when he arrived. And so... I think at its worst, this kind of um, kind of overlay, artificial overlay that that is presented to college students, can be a real distraction and really get folks off track. And so, um, I think that makes it even more of a challenge for students trying to navigate because it is so enticing to be a part of this social kind of movement, and it feels important. and um, And so, I, I think that it can be really destructive and 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 that's one example of, of how I saw that happen. Yeah, I feel like I saw that quite a bit on my own campus, too. You know, um, actually very similar stories to that, where um, we, would, we would have people do just that. They'd be, end up back in school again because they were so enamored with the, the culture of the campus, which also led to me as a college pastor beginning to say, Hey, have you thought about taking a year off? <laughs> and have you thought about taking a gap year? Have you thought about strengthening right. and, and solidifying your beliefs first and your experience before you go off to college? Totally. But that's a side note. Anyway. Oh no, I think it's actually a great next point. I think college age folks need to anchor all of their time, their education or their work in Jesus Christ and look mm -hmm. for how every course or how everything they, or, you know, how their work reveals the majesty of God and mm -hmm. everything he is for us in his son and operate from there. Mm -hmm. And I think like when we anchor ourselves in Christ and that's what everything else is coming out of, there are forms um, of activism and there are certain strains of um, some of the bigger things going on in our world that when done, 
through the lens of scripture and from the basis of the Bible, we can make a really big difference for the cause of Christ in some of these things that are going on in the world. But what so happen, what so often happens is we get swept up into it before we have our foundation of scripture and the lens of scripture to be able to view what from this mm. thing yeah. happening is true and good and godly and what of it is from the world and a lie and that I need to avoid. And so for us to spend time um, developing that proper lens to Mm -hmm. see the things are going on in our country, in our world. So we can decide, okay, what does it look like for me to um, advocate for the cause of Christ in this area? Um, Instead of just jumping into the first cause we see, because millennials and Gen Z are all about being world changers, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And so they want to jump into every cause. And so how do we equip college students to see I have a passion for whatever caused this is and what does it look like to do that for Christ and um, from a lens of scripture that makes sense yeah good um let's just I I agree let's summarize give some practical tips just to get to the point where we feel like someone walking away from this conversation really knows why they listen to it right because I think we have some really great stuff but I want to synthesize it a little bit so Mm -hmm. coming back to the beginning the idea is that there is a gospel that's being taught to the college age person attending um, a university, a college. Um, I mean, we even see some of this in community colleges as well, not as heavily, but it is there. So there is a gospel being taught. It's the gospel of, of self-actualization, which essentially um, identifies itself as, or identifies you as the most important thing, right? Your self-truth, your right. the actualization of um, what you are right. at this point. It, and and self-actualization used to be who you are. That's what we're saying. Like there, it used to be who you are. Now it's sort of shifting into what you are. Um, and it's those are the traps that people listening to this that are going to college, they need to be watching out for. They need to be looking out for. And the actual answer is not who you are or what you are. The actual answer is who is God and what does God say about you? Right. And, and you defining yourself on those truths. And those truths are revealed to us in Scripture and that is the most obvious way to find them is to read scripture, let God reveal himself through his spirit and his word. And for you in continual prayer and walk in the spirit to be shaped by that. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's like our 30 minute conversation boiled down as quick as I can get it. Um, can I add? Yes. That's what I, I want to get to now. What else well, do we need to have? I love Hannah, what you said and, and how I would summarize it, summarize this is, and I think I heard pastor Rob say this at one time. So it certainly wasn't my Phrasing, um, but it, it's really terrific. Essentially, college-age folks need to filter their life experience through the Bible, through God, who God is, as you were saying, Pastor Cody. Not the opposite. Not filter the Bible through their lived experience. And no. I think that that is a tendency that can happen if your mindset is self-actualization. If myself is the filter, then yeah. then that can be... What happens, and I think that one of the things I love about um, what's been happening at Quorumdale College is the um, discussion about the spiritual, the habits of grace. Um, and um, I think my advice to college students would be, you know, how do you filter your life experience through Scripture? Well, you are anchored in God's Word, so that you can discern truth from deception. Stay prayed up so that you can be of service um, to God's purpose in your life and to others, and then fellowship with other believers um, upon whom you 
you can lean, especially having access to pastors and other leaders who can help you navigate difficult problems, questions, when they inevitably surface on campus. Good. And I would define that last one a little bit further and say fellowship of believers would be a local church, mm-hmm. would be if you're not in one or you're not taking the one that you're going to seriously, it's time to start doing that yeah. because there's no, you don't have, you don't have solid ground to stand on, but it's not just your campus group guys. It's, it's not just where you happen to be going. It's not even Thursday nights, right? Thursday nights is really great, but our whole Thursday night is still rooted in the fact that we belong to Quorum Dale and that we mm-hmm. are a local church. And the bigger conversation is what is what is going on amongst our body and what is being taught on Sunday mornings mm-hmm. and everything else is an outpouring from it. Um, it's a, you know, it's, it's finding people on Thursday, but then it's utilizing that community to filter all that's going on yeah. through our church, whether mm-hmm. you're part of women's men's Sunday mornings, things like that. So, and serving together. Um, so I'd say the local church is real. I just want to yeah. stress and that's emphasize great. that, mm-hmm. um, get up, get off campus, stop going to Wednesday or Thursday nights as your church and just show up to a, a body of believers on Sunday mm-hmm. morning or Saturday night. There's something to eat Saturday night, but you know, I'm biased. I'd say come to Coram Deo if you're mm-hmm. able to, but um, good. I, th- I think just giving a few more practicals on that is helpful. Anything else? Anna, good? Good. You good? Did you have, do you feel like we got through a good chunk of this? Um, I have three more pages of notes, but um, I... Is it, do you have enough to do a part two? Um, or is, or is it can, all... We can do a part two. Is there, is there another... Yeah, we could maybe do a part two. ...section of this that you think would be worth talking about in a, in a separate episode? You know, I... Maybe not about this topic, but I, um, if I can, add, you know, you, you get topic requests from people yeah. all the time. So I love, you mentioned prayer. That's like my jam. And so I would love to hear you three talk about prayer. And, and you did, you actually have with the, the devotional series you've just a little recently bit, done. But, but we've also been skirting the subject a little bit. Yeah. So. Okay. So. I, and that's, that's really good. I actually felt convicted earlier today about it. I was reading through Daniel. And here, how about a little teaser? And we'll talk about prayer sure. in the next in the next few weeks. We'll but I was reading through Daniel today, and uh, there's this spot, and and I mean, it's it's no, it's it's not a secret that we lean Calvinism in our church, right? And that we believe God is completely sovereign and everything is within His will. But then you read things like this, where it says, uh, "Then He said to me, Fear not, Daniel." For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words, yeah. right? And then you you read things like that, and you're like, oh, man, like there's still this whole theology that exists in Scripture yeah. that God acts on what we say. Right. And so, yeah, we should, we should talk about it. And that's why I've skirted the topic a little yeah. bit, because I've always wrestled with how does God's sovereignty play out with his heart to hear my words, you right. know? Mm-hmm. But. Well, there's a whole other avenue too. And this is my kind of neediness when I pray is most of the Psalms mention how prayer feeds me. It, it fills me up. It, yeah. it, and, and that's a whole, it's tapping into the Holy Spirit in a way that I just think is so beautiful and relevant and helpful and good. Good. All right. Well, now we know. We're, at the moment, we're finished with with speaking of the gospel of self-actualization, unless you feel like there's a point you really needed nope. to hit. I think okay. I got them all. And now we're going to have to have an episode on prayer. Great. Hey, I like having topics, knowing <laughs> what we're doing next. So. True. Good. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. We'll wrap it up here. If you made it all the way to the end, thank you so much. Uh, we're praying that um, anything said here would just encourage you to seek God deeper, to know him all the more, and to love him, and that your heart would stir 
with affection towards him and you would come join us on Sunday mornings and on Thursday nights here at Quorum Deo. Um, or if you're somewhere else that you would be encouraged to join a local body and seek God through that and through his word and through prayer and his spirit and the spiritual disciplines as Dr. Waugh was saying. Um, otherwise, um, we'll see you guys soon, hopefully on like a Thursday night, but until we do get to see you, just know we love you. We're praying for you and we will see you later. Thank you.